Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman. Today I'm visiting with Laura Kruger, curator of the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion Museum in New York City. She serves on the Judaica Acquisitions Committee of the Jewish Museum and is vice president of Art Table, a national membership group of professional women in the fine arts. She is a board member of Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion and chairs the Museum Advisory Committee. Laura Kruger has curated over 120 fine art exhibitions and contributed to numerous catalogs. Among the exhibitions that continue to travel throughout the country, she recently curated Nathan Hillu's journal, Word, Image, Memory, which is now on exhibit at the Yiddish Book Center in our Breckner Gallery. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, um, at least in voice, if not in corpus. <laughs> so um, uh, this is a very exciting exhibition. It was a, an exciting find. It was an exciting uh, journey with the artist, and we're happy to uh, share it with the kindred spirit of the Yiddish Book Center at um, up in Amherst. So... Um, do you want to begin, Lisa, Yeah. And start me off with the question? I would love to. So you actually, I'm going to jump ahead on my questions because you mentioned discovering. How did you come to discover Nathan Hillu? Uh, about five years ago, I, or six years ago now, I received in the mail a, an invitation to attend a senior citizen uh, art exhibition sponsored by a senior citizen program on the Lower East Side, an art program. And the featured drawing in this uh, Xerox flyer that was sent to me was um, of a scene on the Lower East Side in a very loose style. But the artist's name in small print was Nathan Hillu. Hillu is a very unusual name. My family had and has a very good friend dating from the Second World War, a fellow by the name of Sam Hillu, a renowned importer of textiles and expert in uh, uh, Far Eastern textiles. And Sam had been an aide-de-camp for an uncle of mine who was in the military during the Second World War. When the war ended, Sam uh, decided not to go back to his hometown, which was a small rural town uh, in, in the middle of Pennsylvania, but to use the GI Bill to travel around the world. Sam has been a lifelong friend. He is the only person that I have ever heard of that had the name H-I-L-U, and so on a whim, I picked up the phone and I called Sam. And I said, Sam, how are you, et cetera. Um, I've just seen the work of a guy by the name of Nathan Hillu. Have you ever heard of him? He said, of course, he's my older brother. Huh. So I have known Sam Hillu since I'm six. Wow. A long time. And not just as a passing thought person, an actual person who from time to time lived with my grandparents, lived with my parents, 
and it impacted on my life about art that was not mainstream art because he was a person, Sam was a person, who actually collected and promoted and sold art from parts of the world that in my youth and up until very recently were yet undiscovered. So I thought, well, Sam knows Nathan Hillu. I ought to go down to the Lower East Side and um, take a look at this senior citizen art exhibition. And I did. And it was terrific. Terrifically energized, focused on the vitality of a bygone era. Because here was a man who was literally redrawing his past um, in the present time, but not nostalgically, with vibrancy as if it was happening today. When we uh, did the exhibition, we called it Nathan Hillu's, we here at Hebrew Union College, we called it Nathan Hillu's Journal because, in essence, it is a journal of his life in words, in images, and in memory. The memory is not something from the far distant past. The memory is as of this moment. And the words, the words are incorporated in the artworks. I do not think that we have ever had an artwork that did not have text both on the face of the artwork, the front that you look at, or the back. Much of his artwork is based on biblical episodes, and much of the writing is taken from the um, uh, the Bible and um, whatever other documents he is referred to. And his work really evolves into a group of significant subjects that are repeated and repeated and repeated. So um, it would be helpful to, we describe his work as outsider art. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not a trained artist in the sense of the academy. So I wondered maybe if you could, um, for the benefit of those who don't understand what um, that term means, if you could talk to us a little bit about how that um, plays into understanding his work. Well, outsider art is, as you've just mentioned, um, the work of artists, male or female, and basically of any age, who are not, um, who never had an intention to have a professional life as an artist. They did not study art. They, They need to make art in order to tell their valid story of their experiences, what they see, what they experience, and what they think about. Uh, The French refer to this as art brut or uh, fauve or naive. I don't know why all of these names are French, but indeed they have become the vocabulary of uh, all artists. In America, we call it outsider art. In other words, exactly that, a person who makes art without formal uh, uh, art school background. That does not mean that the artist does not have 
heroes in the art world, and certainly Nathan Hill, who has always had heroes in the art world, he, uh, more than anyone, has worshipped Chagall. And when you look at the work, you can easily see the impact of Chagall's colors, um, immediacy, uh, vitality, all of that. He also uh, worshipped Pissarro, uh, the uh, late 19th century, early 20th century uh, Jewish art, French Jewish artist. It's fascinating to hear all of this, I have to tell you. Laura, I'd love it if you could describe Nathan's work a little bit so listeners can get a sense of it. It's just so... I mean, the words I guess I would use are sort of raucous, vibrant. It's very enthusiastic. And you also just alluded to the writing that's on the back of the illustrations or drawings. Um, And it would be interesting to hear more about that because when Susan Bronson, our executive director who um, brought the show to the Yiddish uh, Book Center, when we were unpacking it, she showed me the backs, and we were fascinated um, by all of the writing. So it would be great if, um, since this is an audio version, um, if you can help to um, describe the work and also this interesting aspect of the back of back of the work, as it were. I can easily do that. First of all, what you should know about um, Nathan Hillu is that he is the son of uh, Syrian Jewish immigrants to the U.S. He was born in, uh, on the Lower East Side, and he, he, he's just 90, so um, I'm not really certain what year he was born, but he was born 90 years ago. Uh, his, the language in his home when he was growing up was Aramaic. It was not English, it was not Jewish, it was not Yiddish, by Jewish I mean Hebrew or Yiddish, it was Aramaic. So English is his second language, and Yiddish is his third language. He and his family moved from New York when he was about six or seven years old with his two brothers, my friend Sam and his uh, very much younger brother, Uh, Jacob, and they moved to a small town in the middle of Pennsylvania. The the family, to the best of my knowledge, had no art in any way in their lives or their backgrounds. But Nathan and Sam also were avid uh, library uh, subscribers. They went to the library. They would get books with images. I don't think they brought the books home because I don't think their parents uh, really encouraged them to look at images. And uh, they became obsessed. They each became obsessed with images. I do not think that Sam does artworks, however. When, when the war broke out, Nathan immediately joined the Army. And the Army actually was his entire life. His, the army and Judaism really describes uh, Nathan. And the artworks describe his experience, his experiences as a Jew, 
and as a soldier. He went to Europe uh, with the army. He was stationed in the midst of the war. He ultimately became a guard at the Nuremberg prisons and at the Nuremberg trials. He was a private. He was a private for much of his time in the army. And he, instead of keeping a written diary, he started drawing pictures of what he was seeing. His when I, when I decided to show his work here at Hebrew Union College Museum, I thought what I was going to be featuring was his Nuremberg work. I, I felt that this was a Jewish view of the trials, of the attitudes of a Jew um, t- entrusted with taking care of these, these terrible, evil um, people who had destroyed six million people. And um, I thought that's what my focus was going to be. But as I started to know Nathan more fully, I realized that I could never tell that story unless I told his passion for Judaism. It's a passion that could be described as wide-eyed and completely naive and trusting in the swallowing of the stories. They are as vivid and, and vital to him, the biblical stories, as anything that you could look out of your window and see today. The, the texts on, these, on the images are an enforcement of the images, just in case you, the viewer, do not understand why he has done this particular drawing. He is going to tell you in no uncertain terms. And so uh, one of the, the Nuremberg images that we have, I, I don't think you have in the show right now, but in the Nuremberg ones, he always says, he always marvels that he, a PFC in the U.S. Army, a Jew, is guarding these Nazi criminals. Uh, the amazement that he is there, it's very much the Kilroy was there. I the U.S. government entrusted me to guard these people. The, but basically to go back to the work about the Lower East Side and the, his embrace of rabbinic Judaism, he, um, he claims that his, uh, a grandfather of his was the chief rabbi of Damascus, Syria, Syria um, and his grandfather, Hachem Bashi Nissim, keeps reappearing, reappearing in many, many of his drawings. And it encouraged him, the, the belief in his grandfather, as an amazing person in the world, uh, gave him this insight into how Orthodox rabbis impact on their congregations and through them through the, to the rest of the world. So there are many, many, many uh, uh, Orthodox rabbis depicted in front of many, many, many of the uh, shuls and, and synagogues of the Lower East Side, many of which have di- dis- disappeared in time. 
he is very much engaged in folklore, uh, in, in stories about biblical stories or interpretations of them. But his real homeland, as far as anything else I can uh, uh, t- uh, talk about, is the Lower East Side. The Lower East Side has been an embrace for him of everything he holds dear about Judaism. Not simply the law or the lore, but the embrace of people, the fact that people are outreaching, they are giving, they are sharing. So in many of, many of the images are about uh, shopkeepers on the Lower East Side, their stores, the fact that they give bread or, or pastries to people who not necessarily are in need, but who enjoy bread or pastries, or the fish stores who are um, purveying their fish as if these were crown jewels. The, um, the women of the Lower East Side, Nathan has never been married. Um, I, he has women friends because the women find him um, protectable. He is now, I've known him for the last 12 years, I guess, or, and he has always a group of, or, you know, women here and there and there, usually storekeepers, who are actively protective of him. And he does drawings for them. He, he currently draws on uh, shirt cardboard, uh, the kind of cardboard that a laundry would pack, fold and pack a man's dress shirt in. And he does his artwork currently in crayon and magic markers and um, and always almost always uses collage. If he if he has started a drawing on a piece of shirt cardboard and it's not large enough, like the legs are not uh, enclosed in the uh, shape of the form of the shirt cardboard, he'll glue another shirt cardboard to the back and make the, sh- the shirt cardboard longer so the legs could appear, or the arms, or the hat, or the whatever else he has decided uh, to add on to the artwork from before the initial concept. It's, I, I, it's a, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. It's very apparent when we opened the box with mm-hmm. the contents for the exhibit, it was amazing because you realize that the art for him is not, I hate to use the word, but precious. I mean, it's, that's, that's it's, correct. It's, it's right there. It's the need to get and convey these ideas and the snapshot of the landscape of his life that it's just, it's apparent he has to get this out of his head and onto a piece of paper. And, and to describe this again to those who are listening, it's just amazing. As you say, it's pieces that are all different shapes and sizes, and there's tape on them. And even when you suggested how the show um, could be hung, um, it's as simple as putting pins in the wall because it's about the art. It's not about the mm-hmm. object, if it's okay to say that. Oh, very much so. It, is, it doesn't objectify art. The art is part of a dialogue. The dialogue is between 
uh, Nathan Hillu, the artist, you, the viewer, and the characters in the image. They are alive. They, they radiate uh, enthusiasm, information, despair, tragedies, re resolutions of problems. They're very active. There is not a single passive image ever in any of his work. Um, the, um, I mean, we all, everybody here at HUC has favorite uh, images taken from Midrash. I'm looking at one right now of Solomon at the bottom of the sea. There is um, a Midrash in which King Solomon vis visits under the sea. And in this particular one, King Solomon is in a diving bell, one of the bathyspheres that you would connect with air hoses to a ship, and he's lowered below that. The bathysphere is sitting on the back of a swimming turtle, and there are, uh, and he is talking, King Solomon is talking on a microphone to uh, the ship above him. King Solomon is, of course, bearded, long-haired, and wearing a crown, as a king should. But this is not, this is not a, uh, a fantasy. This is a reality. Mm -hmm. Why should this not have been? What was meant by the the myth of Solomon uh, visiting the bottom of the sea? Well, I, I, these are just wonderful works, um, and I do hope that all of our listeners can make it to the center to see the exhibit, which, um, given how prolific Nathan is, we've just actually reached out to you and we're expanding the exhibit here beyond the Breckner Gallery into a second gallery because um, there's enough work to fill yet another gallery. Yes. Yeah. This, this is a man who doesn't stop making <laughs> art. Every week, this is a 90-year-old man who has his only career, if you will, has been the U.S. Army. He, he was, during in the Second World War, he re-upped several times. He served in Korea, not in the fighting troops, but in the civilian reconstruction period, um, and his only source of income, other than the occasional sale of an artwork, uh, and artwork is my term, these are almost a piece of his life. He, he's very happy to share with them. He brings to us a shopping bag every week of new drawings. The new drawings are not always new things that have occurred to him. He frequently reworks his past. And so in naming the show, Nathan Hill's journal, Word, because they always have Word, the image, and memory. But the memory is as real to him as somebody he's saying good morning to. Well, Laura, I thank you for joining us and giving us some insights into both the artist and his work, um, and also it's wonderful that you picked up on that invitation and followed it out of curiosity. And what it's led to is a really engaging, informative, wonderful, um, and celebratory in a way, <laughs> um, exhibit. So um, Very much so. That's what he's about. He's about celebrating life and Judaism. Well, thank you again. Um, delightful, as always, to speak with you. And um, I hope others will join us here to see the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.